Sometimes life gives you a choice. Accept the lot that is given to you, or stand up for who you are and what you believe. Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Doing very well. It was lovely earlier this week, and it's absolutely rotten now. So. Yeah, it's blowing a gale outside here. Yeah, it was like that last night. The dark eldritch rituals rising in power. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So what we're talking about this week, Frank? We're diving into another investigator-specific episode. Eagle-eared fans of the cast will know what that little quotation was that I read at the start of this episode. It was from the flavour of one of the investigators. Well, not from the flavour, from the backstory of one of the investigators. So pause the recording now, shout out your answers to the recording. It's the first line of the story on the back of one of the investigators. Okay, you shouted... And the answer is, that's right, it's Roland Banks. <laughs> <laughs> Roland Banks. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to do it. Yeah, did. of course. <laughs> I'm, I am fully committed to that really bit. bad bit <laughs> now. <laughs> Can you imagine what it'd be like when we finally do Roland Banks? <laughs> yeah. I have to make like a really special episode. No, we're doing Calvin Wright. Calvin Wright, The Haunted. Yeah, and, and we've picked Calvin deliberately, haven't we? Mm-hmm. What we want to do, as I'm sure everyone listening is aware, there's a huge series of protests in America and actually around the world mm-hmm. triggered by the, the, the killing of a black man by the police in America. And this is kind of, once again, uh, ignited the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. So if we just scroll back a bit to when COVID started, Frank and I talked well, we talked quite a bit about what our place was in people's lives, I guess, and, and what we could offer them in, in particularly stressful times. Mm. And I guess we wanted to to acknowledge the things that were happening in the world, but offer a place where people could maybe forget about those worries, uh, focus on something that they like, something that, you know, relax them. Uh, and we don't want that to change. But what we want to do, as you just said to me before we start, Frank, silence on this topic is is a choice as much as saying something mm. so what we want to do is is reassure our listeners that we absolutely support that that movement you know we, we think that what's been happening the violence that's been happening the kind of state-sponsored violence that's been happening is is abhorrent and we we need a change mm. yeah that's why we picked a black investigator to talk about because i think one of the things that really well it, it's something that, that i liked about netrunner when that was uh, that was still going, um, was the diversity of the cast, not just in in race, but in gender and sexuality and identity, all kinds of things. And really, they're starting. I think that they're kind of bringing that into Arkham more and more. Um, appreciate the the back catalogue of investigators for in the Arkham Files is is kind of quite established. Mm. We're starting to see new investigators coming in who have kind of more diverse backgrounds, which I think yeah. is, is, is really positive. It's really positive. I think particularly in the context of the source material for this IP. You know, we've when we've done lore episodes, we've tried to make sure our position is clear on the racism in Lovecraft. And it feels like we're supported by FFG on that. Not us personally, but it feels like the game itself takes a similar-ish view, at least an arm's length view about that. 
and its diversity is a step towards saying it doesn't have to be the world and the views that Lovecraft portray, which I think is really powerful. And yeah, we were just talking off air. Is it worth saying something or not? It feels almost dishonest not to mention it. It's the same with coronavirus, right? It would have been so weird if we carried on business as normal without acknowledging that pretty much everyone's lives were being impacted. And I think this is a similar moment. So yeah. And I'm also really glad because I really wanted to cover Calvin for a long time on the yeah, cast. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, so, so what, what we're going to do is, I guess we're going to kind of we'll continue as as usual doing an investigator episode, but we're going to put some some notes and some links in in with the show notes. So if you want to if you want to donate, there's lots of funds going around. There's, you know, there's there's black content creators you can support. There's uh, bail funds you can support. There's other activist groups you can support. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll put some links to some of those that, that we've come across um, along with the show. And obviously, if, if you want to email us or talk to us about anything we've talked about, please do. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one of the positive steps you can do if if this is something that you think, why are they even mentioning this, is educating yourself. You know, absolutely, And not yeah. in that kind of critical, how dare you, but just like, if this goes, wow, I didn't know anything about this, great opportunity to read up about it and find out and be... Um, an ally, I suppose. So yeah, shall we dive in? Yeah, let's, let's. Uh, I am quite excited to talk about Calvin. He's such a puzzle, isn't he? Mm. I, weirdly enough as well, even the fact that he's called The Haunted as a subtitle, most people's subtitles are a thing, a noun, you know, an active, the fed, the librarian. But he's just the, the haunted. It's like sort of strange... He's almost a blank canvas in that way that he could... We don't know what his job is, I don't think. He, yes, exactly. He's yes, not defined by his profession. Yeah. So so I may be wrong on this, but I'm sure I remember Calvin Wright being like a challenge character for mm-hmm. Arkham Horror 2nd Edition. Yeah. So he, he was introduced to be deliberately difficult. Yes. And he wasn't... I don't think he was given an official release. He was, I think, something like an Arkham Knights promo character or something like that. I believe. So he wasn't, he sort of wasn't quite canon. He didn't come out in a deluxe or something like that. Is that right? Yeah, that's my understanding. Almost like a print and play or, or, or a challenge character that you mm-hmm. could yeah. dive into by yourself if you wanted to. But he has since had uh, an official release. And did he come out, did he come out in this game first or was he in an Eldritch um, horror first? You're challenging me there now. Don't know. I don't know. He's not in the Investigators of Arkham book, is he? He's not no quite a few of the, the kind of the newer ones aren't in there so yeah Seth as Seth, well Seth's not in there and Daniela as well I think and he's sort of not necessarily come through the main line of adding characters and I wonder if that's because for a while FFG had sort of stuck on we've got our cast of characters there are fifty or so of them we're not adding anymore and it's only with the second wave of Arkham Files games so Arkham Third Edition this game really expanding Eldritch Horror that they started to think about, well, can we add new characters? And if so, who do we add? Yes, absolutely, yeah. So, so should we dive in and look at the front of his card? Yeah, yeah, because I think that theme of challenge character comes through heavily on the front as well, surprisingly. Absolutely, no yeah. Well, let's just read out the stats and see what people think. Should, should I read it out? Please, yeah. Okay, so we have Calvin Wright, The Haunted. He has zero willpower, zero intellect, zero combat, and zero agility. He has six health and six sanity. So every single one of those stats is below the average. (laughs) 
Yes. He has the traits Cursed and Drifter. And his, uh, his ability is you get plus one willpower and plus one intellect for each horror on you. You get plus one combat and plus one agility for each damage on you. Elder Sign, plus zero. You may either heal one damage or horror or take one direct damage or direct horror. If you hurt him, I'll kill you. Bad ass. Yes. Broadly speaking, he gets better as he gets damage and horror on him. Yeah, I think that's a nice way of looking at it. It splits down that horror, which is obviously the mental health pool, affects his mental statistics, willpower and intellect. And damage, which is the physical side, affects his physical stats, which are combat and agility. Pretty scary stat line. You said they were below average. I have a little sheet where I track all of the average stats per faction. And adding Calvin to it sort of just tanked the survivor stats. They seem just below everyone else. And it's partly because one of their number is adding zeros. Of course, his stats aren't necessarily zero. And most scenarios, he doesn't play at a zero. So he's quite a strange one to look at in that regard. He is, yeah. He, he, I'll just add as well, his health and sanity pool is also lower than... Below average, yes. Yeah. Which, uh, which is strange when you consider that's his resource, effectively, mm-hmm. um, to yeah. boost his stats up. So without, without any other stat boosts, you can get to five in all your stats. If you take five damage or five horror, all your stats are at five. Yeah. You are, of course, one damage and one horror away from dying at that point. Yeah. And that might not be a problem if you're playing scenarios that don't have ways of just damaging you. So like, say you were playing The Gathering, most of the ways that you're going to take damage and horror are from failing tests, so failing a rotting remains or failing uh, a grasping hands. But also there are locations, you know, if you go into the attic or cellar, they hit you for a damage or a horror. So if you're not careful, you head into the cellar, slip on the icy stairs, take that last point of damage and just wipe yourself out. Uh, So there's a real risk with Calvin that if you don't know a scenario or you don't know the way that the encounter deck might damage you, you might overflow. And I'm sure part of the topic of of this episode will be about how do you manage his health and sanity pools. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Let's flip him over and look at his deck building. Yes, sure. Do Do you want to go through this? Yeah, so he's got a deck size of 30, the normal size. He can take survivor cards 0 to 5, then spirit cards 0 to 3, and neutral cards 0 to 5, and he needs... Until the end of time, voice of the messenger, and one random basic weakness. So pretty normal, but he's got trait-based deck building instead of an off-class. So maybe before we look at the spirit cards, because there are quite a few, we should just look at his signatures, because I don't think they do anything too jazzy, and then we'll go from there. They definitely tie into his overall theme, don't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do, they do. So first we have Until the End of Time which is a one-cost asset. It has a combat and a wild pip, and it's a talent. Calvin Wright deck only. Direct damage and direct horror may be assigned to until the end of time. Mm. And that has two health and two sanity. Unyielding, uncompromising, he stood resolute in defiance of his fate. And the art was teased when they were about to release The Forgotten Age, before we knew that Calvin was one of the investigators. And I think I remember both of us looking at it and thinking, oh my word, what is that? (laughs) So he's in this like little air bubble in front of a gigantic monstrosity with teeth and eyes and a kind of bulbous head. It's 
magnificent. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, and this this works basically like an extension of his health pool. Mm-hmm. Then one that doesn't impact on his his stats, but what you can do is then push him further towards his limit. Yeah, it's almost like a, a pledge, isn't it? He's pledged that he will go until the end of time, and that just gives him that extra boost to keep pushing. The, the other things that are worth noting about this signature that I think are subtle but are decent as well. Obviously, it's low low cost. It just costs one, which is pretty great. But also, it doesn't take up any slots. So you can chuck it down and you're not worried about, oh, I've taken up a hand slot or that's my ally slot gone or whatever it is. It's just in play, soaking, being decent. Uh, and I think that's really sort of maybe a bit undervalued about this card, that it just is a really useful way of saying, I've got a health and sanity of 8-8 now, mostly. So yeah. And obviously normally I end up taking two damage and one horror, or one damage and two horror on it. It's quite hard to <laughs> get the full four on it. So yeah. So that's until the end of time. And then Voice of the Messenger is his signature weakness. It's a treachery. It's curse and pact traded, fittingly. Revelation, you must either choose one, Take one direct damage and suffer one physical trauma, or take one direct horror and suffer one mental trauma. This is a really interesting one, because it, it, early on you actually find one of the issues is trying to get your stats as Calvin. I mean, we'll talk more about this, about how he generally plays, mm. but I'm not, not really jumping the gun when I say he doesn't start off very good in a scenario, <laughs> especially at the yeah. beginning of a campaign. Yeah, uh, And you, you're looking for almost a safe way to start bumping those stats up so you can start passing tests and progressing in the scenario. Mm. One of the ways you can do that, of course, is by by starting the game with trauma. And that reduces the amount of damage you can take over the course of the scenario. But actually that's good because you're looking to take some amount anyway as Calvin. Yes. You will, of course, eventually just die. Yeah. <laughs> if you take too much of one type of trauma. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing an eight-scenario campaign, if you see this weakness in every single scenario, you're going to take eight trauma. So as long as you can balance it out on damage and horror, you're in a pretty nice place, and it means you'll start the final scenario on fours in two of your stats and threes in the other, which at that point is a pretty decent... That's above average stat line, a 4 4 3 3 or 3 3 But that's also... Ignoring the fact you might get trauma through the scenario, through the campaign anyway. Yes, exactly. And it gives you very little room for manoeuvre if anything goes wrong. One of the most risky things about playing Calvin is we just described that if you're at that 5 5 5 5 position, taking 5 damage and 5 horror, drawing Voice of the Messenger just immediately wipes you out. And because it's take one direct damage and suffer a trauma, if that also defeats you, I'm pretty sure you take two trauma. Oof, yeah. Potentially it can really destroy you if you've not planned for that situation. Uh, I think a Voice of the Messenger a little bit like something like Caught Red-Handed, Finn's Weakness. It's like the time that you forget that it's there is the time that it undoes you. And it is sort of always worth bearing in mind. Whenever I look at health and sanity for Calvin, I'm also doing that mental check. Have I seen Voice of the Messenger? Am I okay? I say that, and then a recent live play that I recorded with Calvin, I'm pretty sure I just totally ignored that and carried on. But yeah, you know, it's 
toy with it at your at your own peril. I wanted to touch on something you said about him starting with low stats and how you get your stats up. Yeah. Recently, one of our patrons was talking on our Discord, uh, our patron Scott, and he put forward the idea that all factions want to succeed at all tests. It's just that survivors have ways of turning failure into progress as well. So I, I suppose the thesis he was advancing was it's not that survivors like failing, it's that they do something with failure that the other factions can't do, which I thought was subtle but interesting. The, the pass or failure test is, is not doesn't map onto success and failure, does it? In yeah. Fact, you know, I think I'm sure we've described the situation where you accidentally pass a test <laughs> <laughs> that you were going to get a load of clues and resources out of if if you mm. if you failed. Yeah. By that metric, you're like, well, I have failed, even though I've succeeded in the test. They shake it all up, don't they? They do. Calvin really messes with that as well because. Well, I mean, he feeds into that general idea that for Calvin, he has something that he will always get out of failure as long as one of the penalties of failure is damage and horror in that his stats will go up. So even if you don't have a rabbit's foot or a look what I found or whatever it is, as long as the tests you're taking will damage or horrify you, Calvin makes progress. There's an intrinsic challenge for playing Calvin around how do I find those particular tests you could be actually really punished by the encounter deck if you're playing a scenario that doesn't really damage or horrify you. Although I'm pretty sure that every scenario has ways of taking damage and horror. And it'll be interesting in future if we find scenarios that don't ever do that. You know, will they just be scenarios that Calvin really struggles in? Or then you need to find ways of damaging and horrifying yourself as Calvin because you need yeah. you need ways of toggling those stats. So that leads me to think that there's two potential ways of playing Calvin emerging now. One is the slightly passive, I just take the hits that are dealt out to me and I'll get better as a result. And one is the more active, I'm going to put things in my deck that deliberately feed into me taking damage and horror because I want to control how much damage and horror I have and get my statistics to a level I want them to be at. And I think that's a subtle difference, but it's worth noting. Yeah, yeah. No, couldn't agree more. The flip side of that is eventually Calvin, his stats become quite good. Yeah. So I I, I frequently see him with all fours or, or threes, fours and fives in his stats. Uh, and there's obviously some management going on with the other cards of controlling that. But I guess what I often struggle with is a way of turning those high stats into some action compression and, and, and some solid progress. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that? My, my, you've probably got more experience with Calvin than I have. Hmm. I think spot on. I think this is a broader challenge of playing Survivor, that the at later scenarios and at higher or more difficult scenarios, what they really hurt for can be action compression and action compression that just keeps going. So like, for instance, a card that I know you're a big fan of, Newspaper, it's great when you can get two clues early on with newspaper level two, but that then immediately turns off once yeah. you've got those two clues, unless you're playing a scenario where you spend the clues quickly. And likewise, you can hit hard with a fire axe, but unless you can go broke and reliably hit without boosts or do the LeBranche thing, you're you're capping yourself at how much damage you can do. And actually, I think the best example of it is playing something like Will to Survive. You can pass all your tests for a turn, 
But if you can't get extra actions or you can't make those tests really impactful, playing Will to Survive can sometimes feel like, right, I'm paying four to just investigate three times. Or, or, yeah, yeah. exactly. And obviously, you know, players are able to work their way around that. And when I would play Will to Survive, I try and make sure I do a lot more than just that. But sometimes it can feel that way in Survivor. And I think it's intentional that they're not the Guardians who have huge amounts of damage. They're not Seekers who can get handfuls of clues. They're also not Rogues who can get a slew of actions. You know, these are things that we do identify with different factions. And I think that's really challenging for someone like Calvin. Yeah, and and I think it's maybe exacerbated in Calvin because I, I kind of feel he wants a lot of support in his deck for managing his stat line and his mm. ability alongside obviously trying to succeed at the scenario. Yeah, and that raises that thought of, say, that gym style that we talked about, where you build this sophisticated engine where you can predict what tokens you're going to draw and you pass every test. But if you've spent the scenario setting that up, a seeker will have spent the scenario just getting clues and a guardian will have spent the scenario killing enemies, broadly speaking. Just listeners, that's a pointed dig at me. No, it's not. It's not. (laughs) It's definitely not. I I realised as I said it. an amazing intricate engine with Jim (laughs) and didn't do anything for the entire scenario. You you didn't fail tests towards the end. I didn't fail tests towards the end. That's right. Yeah, we still lost badly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I didn't actually mean it as a dig, but I realised as I said, I couldn't pull out once I'd done it. That raises a question for Calvin as well. How quickly can you get your stats to a point where you can contribute reliably? And can you get to that powerful point quickly enough that that contribution is worthwhile? You know, if you've spent most of the game getting to 4444, great, well done, you've got your stats to a good place, but other people have actually been doing the work. Or if you're playing solo, it's like you're so far behind at that point. So yeah. There's another question here around, can you use Calvin taking damage and horror as a tempo thing? Can Calvin make progress because he's happy to take the damage and horror that other investigators would be trying to avoid? I think that's a slightly separate thing. Well, yeah, yeah. And actually, this is a weird point where you can find those first few turns in the game as Calvin incredibly low impact because you're, you know, you desperately say, well, and you know, I don't mind failing a test to take some horror, but there's none of those tests. And in the meantime, I can't get any clues while I wait for that. Mm. I remember hearing about someone playing Untamed Wilds with Calvin solo and drawing Overgrowth first action when they explored. how Overgrowth works. It attaches to a location and you can't move or explore from your location and it's test combat or intellect four to get rid of it. Yeah. So like Calvin drawing that, he then can't explore, so he can't hit any treacheries in the explore deck that would damage him. He has no way of getting his stats up, and you're just relying on hitting an enemy and then damaging yourself repeatedly to get to that point. Like that's an immediate shutdown. I I actually had a similar thing as well playing Calvin in Miskatonic Museum. And, you know, this is going way back to Dunwich. The first location has those two clues. It's three shroud and two clues. And it's you can either get the clues to sneak into the museum or you can break down the glass, which is a combat four or five test, I want to say. Yeah. Calvin starting that scenario, like even if you've taken a couple of trauma at the beginning of Dunwich, you, you don't have a way of passing an intellect three test reliably or of passing a combat five test. So you're you're committing to just sitting there outside the museum wondering how you get in until things get really rotten for you. Yes. 
Calvin just slumped on the steps of the museum. <laughs> I can't do anything. So yeah, it's tricky. To go back to your point about compression then, one of the reasons why I'm excited to be talking about Calvin again is the skill suite that we got in the Dream Eaters. Oh yes, of course, yeah. And for me, they breathed a little bit more life into Calvin. They give you a bonus if you're taking the action basically, so a basic fight, basic investigate or basic evade. And normally that would be, well, why would I want to do that when I could fight with a weapon or whatever else it is? But they also then give you a bonus if you succeed by two. Should we just read one out? Yeah, sure, sure. So this this is the cycle that is brute force, sharp vision and... Expeditious retreat. Expeditious retreat. They have one icon and then if you commit it to a basic action of, of the appropriate type, it gets two icons. And then if it's the test is successful by a margin, it, it has a bonus effect. Mm-hmm. So for Calvin, say you're at four damage, you fight with brute force at a seven, which is very <laughs> acceptable. And if you can succeed by two or more, you do three damage. In that way, he's getting this baked in compression. Sharp vision, investigate at, say, a six or seven, potentially get two clues. It's a way of leveraging his high stats and a way of getting the action compression that he, the faction as a whole somewhat lacks. You know, I'm saying that and I'm thinking, well, obviously there are weapons and ways of getting clues and things like that. But yeah, so that that's something that those cards really want a high stat to make the most of them. I've seen people actually running them in min as well, where you can add icons to them to make them really potent. But Calvin is a good target for them because of how his stats might end up very high. And at that point... He then doesn't want to be setting up a board that boosts his stats more or things like that. He just wants every action he takes to be impactful. So yeah, that's just one thing to bear in mind. I guess the other thing that, there's, well, there's a couple of other cards, upgrades, it might be worth touching on briefly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to see how they, they, they work in Calvin. And I guess maybe one of the ones that a lot of people will look at uh, is Pete Sylvester. Mm. And Pete's counterpart now, uh, Jessica Hyde as well. Yeah. Because they provide effectively an infinite soak, yeah, which works really well for a character who who wants to take himself right to the edge of dying mm-hmm. in terms of damage and horror, and then that's where he works the best. I've just thought of a really good name for a Calvin deck. Yes, what's that? Could be Infinity Pool Calvin. Because the way I think of Peter and Jessica is like it's like wa- the damage and horror is water overflowing from the bucket that is Calvin. Yeah, and they just kind of catch it. Anyway, it's fine. I'll I'll think about it later. I like it. Yeah, Yeah, completely right. I completely agree. So they they work in... They do double duty for Calvin, don't they? Because you're working so hard at taking damage and horror, but they also give you that extra stat boost. So you could be at, say, four damage, and you're then actually at combat five or agility five with Jessica or Peter, or indeed both. Yeah, 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 and I, this is this is where you start to see the cards overlapping. I mean, the, the other card, I think, lots of I think it's a great card in general, but cornered mm. does great duty because that your stats then just kind of skyrocket. Yeah. yeah, as long as you can continue to draw cards. Yeah, I mean, your your kind of three becomes a five, and then maybe a six with Pete or or Jessica in play as well. Mm. Yeah, I think you know it, it's it's easy to discount Calvin if you haven't. If, if you think he's going to be weak, you haven't seen someone with all this stuff in play and, and a fire axe and a, and a dark horse and they're taking all their tests at seven and um, yeah. it's just incredible to watch. 
there are a couple other cards that I think are specifically Calvin-tastic. The first is the Survivor Tarot, the Five of Pentacles. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. That gives you plus one, <laughs> plus one sanity and plus one health. It adds to your stat pool. It doesn't, then it's not a separate soak, which means that Calvin, if he wants to, can take his stat line to sixes. You know, it's slightly overkill, potentially, but it's also so powerful. I What I've often found when I use Five of Pentacles is that I take my stat line to fives. And normally, if I'm then running Peter and Jessica or have until the end of time, if I'm going to take any kind of hit of horror or damage, I can take one more and go to that danger zone of six and also overflow onto another card. It's 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 like a safety um, yeah. rather than an extra an extra chance for a boost. Mm. And, and if the card read put this into play, you get plus one to all of your stats. That would be insane, obviously. It's sort of dark horse levels. And you'd get it into play uh, for free at the start of the game if you have it in your opening hand. But that's how it does read in Calvin, given, you know, if you can take the damage and horror. Whereas in other investigators, it doesn't obviously have the impact. The other card I wanted to mention was Rise to the Occasion. So this is a three wild icon survivor skill. And you can only commit it to a test that's too higher than your base stat and for a lot of investigators that can actually be a little bit tricky to hit that threshold so maybe you're a a intellect two and you're investigating a shroud four location so you commit right to the occasion it gives you plus three and then you're just one over the threshold it doesn't necessarily feel great for most investigators but for calvin his base stats are zeros as we've already said, and it's important to acknowledge that they're zeros. And they, his base doesn't go up. It's just that his stats get uh, additions from damage and horror on him. So it doesn't alter his base stats. His base stats are always zero. So unless the test is difficulty one, you can always commit rise to the occasion to tests that Calvin takes. And at that point, you add the plus three icons and then whatever other stat boosts you have from damage or horror. It's just amazing. Like you're maybe already a, a, a stat of four, so you commit rise to the occasion, go up to seven. Maybe you're doing it with one of those survivor skills, and then you're attacking at ten. Say you're definitely going to hit the threshold for the three damage at that point. Super good. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Is there some of the cards that count against your base stats as well? Mm. I can't remember. There's against all odds as well, which is a yeah. two XP event, and get you allows you to draw an extra token for each point your base is different to the threshold of the test yes potentially you draw say four tokens instead of one which is just lovely yeah that is good that is good and it's also um fight or flight as well which mm. can double either your is it willpower and agility on fight or flight no combat or agility sorry Based on the amount of horror you have, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you sort of like do this weird swap over of your stats in in Calvin. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned Fight or Flight, because Fight or Flight is a very useful Calvin card if you've taken a lot of horror but haven't taken a lot of damage. Yeah. Because you essentially say, well, hang on, I'll treat the, the horror I've taken as damage boost. So maybe you just need it as a pinch evade. So you play Fight or Flight, and that four horror you've taken becomes plus four agility. Or maybe you're just looking to finish off a big boss and you want a really nice boost for a turn and fight or flight is saying, I'll add whatever my the horror I've taken is to the turn. Yeah. No, that's that's really nice too. I wonder if we should talk about spirit cards now. Yeah, yeah. 
I've got a question before we do, Frank. So, so spirit is going to be a key theme in uh, Nate, uh, well, Nate, Nathaniel, who's uh, the starter deck that's coming out. Mm. Um, it, he doesn't have keyword associated with them, so it, it, his ability or his deck building doesn't doesn't trigger off spirit. Mm. But he there's obviously quite a few cards in his deck with that trait, and he has a few other cards that combo with the trait, like the boxing gloves. Yes, you've seen yeah. seen in one of the articles. Maybe it's worth looking at Calvin once Nathaniel comes out. Mm. But I guess the question I wanted to ask is, what what does the spirit trait mean? Do you think? Mm. I think of it a little bit. You know that that meme of the baby who's like um, clenching his fist. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's that to me is a visual representation of my thought process around spirit. It's yeah. that idea of gritting your teeth, stiff upper lip, kind of pushing through things, I would say. And maybe it's also that feeling slightly of defiance towards the mythos. You know, like, right. I'll, I'll take you on or I'll, I'll do something. What what do you think? Well, I don't know. that there's, there's, a, there's a couple of aspects you see. There's like a, a teamwork aspect. Mm-hmm. And also a self-sacrifice aspect. In fact, I think self self-sacrifice literally is a spirit card. <laughs> That's good, yeah. But quite a few of them, like uh, "I'll see you in hell" is a spirit mm. card. Heroic rescue is also a spirit card. Yeah, stand yeah. together. Yeah, Fantastic. stand together is actually. If you ask me to name one spirit card, I think that's my go-to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same here. Um, it's such a good card as well. Mm. I, I don't know. It's just hard to nail down something which which unites them all. Is is kind of what I've always thought. There, there's something about resilience there, isn't there? Or yeah, or standing firm, or or something around that. Definitely. Yeah, and worth noting actually, I think this really il- illustrates this well. There's only one rogue spirit card, and it's yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> so it's the like, exact opposite of the yeah. two things I said. Yeah. How do rogue? <laughs> what's what's the rogue? teamwork play it's they just leave yeah which is kind of interesting like maybe the best thing the rogue can do is just get out of dodge Uh, i think it feeds into it the other thing worth noting about spirit cards is that they are predominantly survivor and guardian there are only two seeker spirit cards one is ghastly revelation and the other is eidetic memory right ghastly revelation obviously allows you to exit a scenario so it's again that like how do how do we leave it's interesting to me that uh, i'll see you in hell i'm out of here and ghastly revelation are all spirit traded it's like yeah. the, the exit cards and then for rogues as i've said there's only i'm out of here and for mystics there are only three there's the wards of protection and then uncaged the soul and eldritch inspiration I'm not quite sure how those two fit in, but definitely Ward of Protection I see as that. It's not just that you're casting a spell, but it's something about saying no to the mythos or standing up to the mythos that I think fits in with Ward of Protection. And then the the huge host of other events are, they're all events as well, aren't they, are Survivor and Guardian. So exactly as you say, I think the impact that Nathaniel Cho's starter deck will have on the card pool will also then have an impact on how we build Kelvin decks. And I found that often I don't pack my Calvin decks with spirit cards, but it's definitely worth keeping an eye on what's there as options for maybe rounding out his deck a little bit or allowing him to do things that you didn't think he could do. Yeah, yeah. I'll touch on a couple. So Ward of Protection, I think, is a really useful card for Calvin. It's a way of getting horror. 
So cancelling a card that's not going to deal you horror to build up your mental stats. It's also a really useful protection card if you're worried about a card wiping you out later in the scenario. And the only risk around it is making sure you can take the horror from it and survive that. You know, if you've gone too high in horror, you can't then cancel things. So I think that's a really useful one. In Guardian, you've got something like Second Wind. So if you've actually taken too much damage, you could potentially heal. And you mentioned Self-Sacrifice, which you can commit to... Oh, of course, that's a skill. You can commit to someone else's test and you take the penalty of failing the test. So in multiplayer, if you're Calvin and you're looking for tests to damage you, maybe you've drawn the Ancient Evils and someone else has drawn the card that's going to deal damage or horror. So you self-sacrifice yourself to that test so that you take it. And a very recent new card as well is Solemn Vow. Yeah, yeah, this looks really good. Mm. So I've been playing this in a Tommy deck, but I think it could find its way into a Calvin deck as well. This, to me, is a really good solution for that problem of how does Calvin take enough damage or horror. So when you play a Solemn Vow, it's fast, it doesn't cost anything. Oh, it's an asset as well. The exceptions to me saying all spirits are events are being proved yeah. <laughs> it. And you give it to the control of another investigator at your location. They then gain a free triggered ability, which is that if you, the owner of Solemn Vow, is at the location, they can exhaust Solemn Vow and move a damage or horror from them to you. Yeah. Super useful in Tommy, obviously. He wants to damage his assets and sort of soak for the team, but also really useful in Calvin. Maybe Calvin's not running Ward of Protection, but the Mystic is and is taking horror. Maybe the Mystic is running uh, Arcane Research and starts the scenario on two two horror. And one of the first things that they do is just move that horror over to Calvin and his stats are up. I feel like I've had worse is maybe a good shout because we have talked... In fact, did we get to tease I've had worse level two? We definitely talked about it. Yeah, definitely talked about it. I don't know. Yeah, I've had worse level two. I think it was a really nice addition because I think most of the time it's easier to trigger that. Mm-hmm. You save a lot of XP. And yep. it's not that often worse than I've had worse for. Mm. See yeah. what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also because it's level two, it means Calvin can take it. Yeah. So that strays into that slightly separate side of the spirit cards, which is just tanking the hits. So there's yeah. delay the inevitable is in there as well where it could be a really useful Calvin card because obviously you can protect a teammate, but also if you're thinking, oh, wow, actually I've overcommitted here. I've got two enemies engaged with me and they're going to wipe me out in the enemy phase by attacks. You can delay the inevitable and stay in the fight a bit longer. Just super useful. Yeah, so, so broadly speaking, I think Spirit provides a toolkit for Calvin around potentially toggling damage and horror and maybe interacting more it's that active play style of kelvin that he's either dragging damage and horror from the team or grabbing enemies off other people there's let me handle this out there as well he's grabbing treacheries off other people because he wants to take those hits so he gets powered up more quickly as a result yeah that benefits the overall team doesn't it Mm. it's a way of turning those cards directly into tempo because it, it, they're almost tempo neutral, those cards. They don't benefit you. Mm. It's just you're spending resources and cards you've drawn to not get any worse based on the mythos phase. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, I, I, fine. But Calvin has that added benefit that he he does get better from it. So imagine, like, 
a board of protection also played a magnifying glass at the same time. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's good. It's Yeah, it's very good. Ex- exactly that. And not only have you not put a doom on the agenda, you've also got better at finding clues. Mm, yeah, it's an, a neat way of thinking about it. I think as well, if if we say the Mythos phase is going to deal out four damage this this round based on cards, trading a card so that I take the damage instead of you doesn't feel particularly useful. You want another benefit from that. And yes. spirit, card, spirit cards in Calvin's hands might give you that benefit. As I cast my eye down the list as well, I, I should touch on the fact as well that Ghastly Revelation and I'll See You in Hell deal you trauma, yeah. which, as we've already mentioned, might not necessarily be bad in Calvin. It could be hugely problematic. And there's obviously the risks involved in ending a scenario early which could be irritating. But yeah, that's just a small thing. The other thing I'm then seeing as I go down is that there's also cards that allow him to have second bites at the apple in terms of passing tests. So there's Live and Learn, which is an incredible Kelvin card. And there's also Trial by Fire, which works like you would like it to work in Kelvin. So it sets the base. You pay three. Yeah. And it sets the base of one of his skills to five, and then for the turn, and then for that turn, <laughs> you still get the bonus from the damage or horror on you. So I've taken four horror. I really want to investigate loads this turn. I play trial by fire and set my intellect to five, and then I add the plus four intellect from the four horror I've taken, and I investigate at nine for a turn. I think the other thing, just just briefly before you move on from them, mm. not only I'm out of here, but also... I'll see you in hell. See you in hell and ghastly revelation. They're level zero and they have double icons. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I I don't think any of them are terrible just to take on the off chance. Yeah, I think I think that they. Yeah, I think that, that if you know the scenario and you know what the resolutions are, you can actually use them pretty well to really give your team a boost. Maybe even like guarantee getting some some experience at the end of the scenario. Mm, yeah, if there's a high shroud location that everyone's going to struggle with maybe you know calvin towards the end of the scenario goes and camps there with ghastly revelation in hand and right before the scenario is over calvin plays ghastly revelation takes the mental trauma and clears out that location that's a vp for everyone and a trauma for calvin which you might like yeah or um can he use us you and hell on the broods you can right because they're non-elite but can they be they can't be damaged, but can they be defeated? I can't remember. I think they can. And I think that's why in Return to Undimensioned and Unseen, they have, there's that treachery that adds elite to them. Oh, really? As a sort of tech against Waylay and Unseen. And I think and, that's right, um, yeah. What's the what's the one, um, the card no one ever plays? Mind Wipe. Is it called mm. Mind Wipe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just top tech against the broods. Yeah, yeah. Um, very good. Yeah, just a couple of other cards, actually. I know we, we don't normally yeah. just run through cards that are good in the, in the, in the Investigator, but we're mm. kind of on a theme now. I, I know you're a big fan of, well, Perseverance or Perseverance, mm. <laughs> however you want to say it. I say it in funny ways, yeah. Yeah, in in Calvin. Mm-hmm. Seems good. And that actually rounds out the double icon suite that you were mentioning. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And then, of course, um, Thermos. <laughs> yes yeah if you're the best card no one plays yeah worrying about the trauma <laughs> yeah and that actually thermos is a good illustration of another aspect of calvin that's worth mentioning we've talked about pieces of esther and jessica hyde the other thing that 
survivors are reasonably good at is soaking damage and horror. So there's also cherished keepsake and leather coat as ways of just taking damage and horror. And probably thrown into that is painkillers and smoking pipe that are worth bearing in mind as well. Yeah, of course, because they let you swap uh, mm. the damage and horror between your stats, don't they? Yeah. Now, now I've found that actually this is purely solo, Calvin. I've not ever wanted to do that. Or I've found that the occasions where I want to do that are very rare. I think it's almost a bit of a luxury to be able to toggle. And you, you want, obviously, to take damage or horror to a degree that then the appropriate card the smoking pipe or the painkillers is useful you know you've taken four horror i always get them mixed up painkillers gets rid of damage so yeah you've taken four damage and you've got the painkillers so that you can toggle that some of that into horror to me it requires a little bit too much fiddling but i think that's because i've tried it in solo i think in multiplayer you might have more of the luxury of just even say switching one damage or horror to get to where you need to be or maybe you do something a little bit more cheeky where you're actually not toggling through the scenario, but towards the end of a scenario, if you see that, okay, I just need to evade some enemies and you start using the smoking pipe to really stack one side of your stat line, perhaps. Yeah. The challenge with it, all of these soak cards is if you lean too heavily on them, you don't build up Calvin's stats. But if you don't have them ready, the infinity pool ready for you to overflow... <laughs> one misstep and you eliminate yourself <laughs> yes exactly yes that to me is one of the most fun things about playing calvin how much can i push this and how much do i need to be cautious and i've also played opposite other people piloting calvin and it becomes almost personal what do i do as the calvin player how 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 willing am i to go further to go deeper to get hurt more for the team i think it's really enjoyable watching it and you know, even if Calvin is just generally helping quietly, just the fact that there's a drama playing out for the Calvin player around damage and horror that for most other characters is absent is, yeah, really fun to watch, really engaging. Yeah, it's all you're always thinking, oh God, what's going to happen with Calvin next? Did you play opposite Calvin in Labyrinths? Yeah, yeah, Glenn. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, no, he was, a, he was an absolute monster. He just did... <laughs> It was, yeah. it was so good watching... Because he, he, I think he's got quite a lot of Calvin experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I felt like I was in the presence of a master. <laughs> the Calvin just master. Just stuff yeah. swapping around the place. And <laughs> Glyn stays quite calm, even mm -hmm. in the face of imminent death, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> so he kept on pulling out all these tricks, and we got towards the end of the scenario. And he said, well, I'm kind of out of tricks now, so I, I, I am going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is how Calvin rolls. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to mention about Calvin? I don't think so. I think I think he is he is he is good, and I think he's there's maybe an attitude of dismissal towards him mm. that he, he he works in a weird way, which doesn't help, and he's difficult to get your head round. Mm. Doesn't mean he's not good, and it doesn't mean you shouldn't take him seriously as an investigator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's not just for kind of wacky fun runs. He's not just for challenge runs. Mm, um, yeah. And that takes some of the... the Maybe you do need to t spend more time learning how he works and then learning his deck building. But I think he is quite rewarding once you've done that. Mm, yeah, yeah. Matt, you're making me think of so many different things here, actually. The first is exactly that around pilot skill. And he reminds me of Patrice and Preston, where... 
they work in such a singular way that just diving in and building what's normally a good deck for any of these three investigators actually could be really challenging and you've really got to treat them as an individual and let their specific skills really tailor how you work calvin is so like that the the next thing i was thinking and i like rushing through these points was he also forces you we talked about this when calvin first came out came out he forces you to reassess what the game is trying to do to you because he responds to it differently so, for instance, in solo, first mythos phase, you draw an enemy. For most solo investigators, that's a problem. It might not be a major problem, but it's still a problem. It's a hurdle that you have to get over. For Calvin, it could be a boon. You've got an enemy on you. The enemy's going to hit you. Yeah. You actually want the attacks of opportunity because you get statted up. In fact, you need the attacks of opportunity to get your stats to a place where you can deal with the enemy. So you're saying like, oh, brilliant, I've got this enemy for a turn. If I take three non-fight, evade, parlay, resign actions, I'm taking three attacks of opportunity, and it's then hitting me in the enemy phase. If it's hitting for a damage and a horror, you're at 4444 by the end of a turn. Yeah. And you're laughing. Obviously, then you're in this really risky place because you've spent the turn not dealing with the enemy, and you think, oh, what do I do now? But I've sometimes actually done something like that where I've maybe played Cherish Keepsake, played Leather Coat, played a weapon, taken three hits, and next turn I'm then really set up, yeah, kill absolutely. the enemy first action, get some clues with my lovely four intellect and move on. And you're like, oh, great, thanks, enemy. No yeah. other investigator treats an early enemy like that. No, no, I, I couldn't agree more. The other thing I just mentioned as well, we've mentioned a lot of cards that Calvin might like, but that also then... You know, we can't go through every card that he might not like. But there are plenty that, in Calvin's hands, a little bit like Preston, maybe don't work as well. So, for instance, I'm thinking of something like Track Shoes. Track Shoes, early on in Calvin, is really not that useful. It's three costs for a single boost with an ability that you probably can't use. It's very useful later on when you need the action compression. but. Yeah. It's the sort of card where normally building a survivor deck, I'd be like, yeah, track shoes super useful. But then in Calvin, I think, oh, actually, do I really need this? Maybe maybe not. And like similarly, something like, say, Waylay. I really like Waylay. I think it's a really impactful card. It's a really good three health solution. Yeah. But for Calvin, unless you can get your agility high enough, you're going to need to evade and then land a Waylay action. That can be really hard to do. So there are a few cards that because of Calvin's unique skill set, are less useful, I think, or less handily used. I think ultimately he he feels like a very pure distillation of what Survivor is. Mm. And this this idea of when you were describing the the kind of the enemy on you and then beating you down over the turn, it's like kind of that moment in a in a I don't know, a Kung Fu movie or something where, you know, the, the characters there kind of hunched in a ball, like mm. loads of people around them beat them and then suddenly just kind of like throws all the enemies off. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or even just their head, the curled up person, their head turns upwards and you yeah. can see that they've like gritted their teeth. Yeah, and then they and catch the next back. blow. That's Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eyes light up. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's, it's, it's a really, it's a really cool survivor feeling. I think that's that one of the things that's, that's really appealing about playing Calvin. And there's only so much you take before before he snaps, and then he's he's mm. fighting back, uh, and his his stats are absolutely sky high. 
Mm, That loops back exactly to that opening quotation that we started the episode with. Sometimes life gives you a choice. Accept the lot that is given to you or stand up for who you are and what you believe. You start the scenario just being beaten up and then at a certain point enough is enough and you fight back, which is brilliant and quite inspiring. I feel quite emotional. (laughs) Okay, well, I think that's... Have we covered everything we want to talk about on Calvin? I think so, yeah. I hope this has given people some renewed excitement about Calvin. You've heard me playing him now twice on the podcast, separately. I know Peter's played him before. He's just always an interesting person. Maybe we just touch on party role quickly. Yeah, absolutely. He kind of yeah. can do every, anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, his stats are so flexible that you could you could build them in any direction. And I think his, his mostly survivor with a little bit of Guardian card pool Mm. sort of lends himself a little bit towards combat. Yeah. And I think one of the most readily available action compression tools you get is Fire Axe. Because mm. it's quite easy to get that. And, and you know, Dark Horse isn't bad in Calvin either because it gives him yeah. another kind of all-round boost. So I would potentially say he works sort of as an all-round with a little bit of fighting. Yeah, and actually I you've reminded me of something really useful to say here. I'd say not just fighting, but enemy management. Because what are the three touchstones for enemy management? They're uh, fighting them, evading them, and soaking their hits. And Calvin touches on all of those things really well. It, a little bit like Rita as well. You know, Having the high agility is really useful as a bonus thing for when you get too many enemies on you, or you just decide you don't want to kill one enemy, you just want to get away from it. And the thing that's fascinating to me about Calvin is that when his combat goes up, his agility goes up as well. Yeah. He ends up a little bit like Silas with the 4-4. And it's like, oh, actually, I have a range of options for dealing with this enemy. Yes, I can kill them. But say say you like, oh, it's a three health enemy. And I don't want to go broke because I'm saving up a big trial by fire play or something like that. I don't want to empty my fire axe. At that point, you're like, well, I can just evade this. I've got Peter Sylvester in play, so I'm already a five agility we move on. You know, it's so flexible then how he handles enemies. Most guardians don't have that option, do they? Where they're like, oh, actually, I'll just evade it. I think Mark is the only one who could potentially take a damage and evade at five. All other guardians are like, if there's an enemy, I'm probably killing it. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's really a fun feature of Calvin. I'd agree with you as well. I think I think he's a really good all-rounder can really turn his hand to different things and he also is very can be left on his own to do his own thing he's a really good like third character in a party yeah yeah he almost has a built-in defense against stuff bad stuff happening Mm. yeah it's very resilient cool that was calvin yeah let us know what you think about Calvin. Have you had great play experiences with Calvin? If so, what were they? You can email us. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and Designed by Humans if you want your Drawn to the Flame t shirt to improve your gameplay. Uh, rumors are that you draw 20% fewer tentacles <laughs> if you buy a t shirt. That's definitely not true. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to get sued. Yeah, that's why I said rumours. Rumours are. Yeah. Yes, Malicious, malicious Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I am United Everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on Twitter and Discord and Steam and, and uh, Instagram is the.unitled. Um, so say hello. How about you, Frank? 
I'm FB on Twitter, that's EPH underscore BEE. I'm FEB on Instagram, EPHYBEE. And I'm Zoe Glass or Zozo around the place. Come say hi too. Thanks very much for listening. Mm-hmm.